24-7 Real Talk. This is your host, Julian Perry, for the first new episode of 2022. I'm going to chat a little bit about my experience entering 2022 and what's hot, what's the hot topic as we enter a new year. I'll be right back. So good evening, everyone. Welcome to the first new episode of 2022 of the 247 Real Talk podcast. It is Wednesday, January 12th, getting close to 30 minutes after 11. And this is my opportunity to record my first episode because um, I was out of the country. I was out of the United States. I was overseas. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that just to share, you know, some personal information and add a personal touch to the episode and kind of actually tie it into what we've walked into in 2022. So to give you a little background information real quick, um, my parents are Guyanese. Um, my father was a judge. He's a retired judge at one point. He left and he was a magistrate in Barbados. And for the years he was in Barbados, my brother and I were born in Barbados. At a certain point, he moved back to Guyana, both of them. And so, you know, we moved with them and we spent a few years there and then we both migrated. So I've spent most of my life in the United States, but I'm originally from Barbados, or so we would say Bajan. And for those of you who I tried to identify and don't know anything about Barbados. Just think about Rihanna. I'm from the same place Rihanna is from. Anyway, I tell you all that unnecessary information to tell you that I traveled to Guyana on December 31st to celebrate my father's 90th birthday on January 2nd. I thank God for blessing him with 90 years so far. He's he's a 70-year-old, 90-year-old man. He drives. He's He looks pretty good. He has all his faculties about him. Um, and, you know, that in itself, and I don't want to get too much into the personal thing here because um, I don't want to get sidetracked. This is about 2022. But I have to tell you, for any of you and all of you who have parents as they get elderly, um take every opportunity to spend as much time as you can with them. You know, in my scenario, unfortunately, Guyana is approximately 3,500 to 3,600 miles away. It's not a around the corner trip. It's not a cheap ticket to go there. Um, it's unfortunate um, that he goes, you know, he would go back and forth for right now he's there. Um, I don't know what next or when next he comes here. But, you know, it's when you don't have the access to your parents every single day, um, it, is, it, is, it, is, it is difficult because we can make the assumption that 
and it's a fact. And in life, we you know we never know when our lives are over, and so every moment is precious. But we kind of make a lot of assumptions as as we're getting older that you know we'll be around for a while. Sometimes we're wrong, but in many cases we're right. But when someone gets older, I pray that he, you know that he continues to have uh, to have years in on his life and um, still manages to be as you know as as capable as he is. But you know, there's there's a sort of reality if you know where I'm coming from. Anyway, I don't want to dwell on that because that's actually what you know. I was just sharing a bit of my information with you. But really, what happened is, um, so he you know it's winter time and he went back there because he doesn't spend winter in the United States, obviously. You know, um, and so I took American Airlines and I'm calling the airline out. I took American Airlines. I bought my ticket since June of 2021. I got a really great deal. Well, that's a whole debacle. I got a great deal that should have been better, but American Airlines kind of used the program and tricked me into believing that I would get the ticket for a certain amount. I was going to get this 200 and something dollars off and this 40,000 miles and all that nonsense. And then they, they, they did the bait and switch. I'm not going to get into that because that will probably take up the entire episode and probably put me in a frame of mind that I don't want to be in right now. But anyway, I took American Airlines, um, went down there for eight days. Um, I was supposed to return here on Friday the 7th, yes. And got all packed on Thursday night and then I got a text message, American Airlines canceled my fright that they were sorry, that they're working to rebook me, and they would be in contact soon. After about three or four hours passed and no one called and no one seemed to, you know, get in contact, here I am now, you know, um, it is Friday, but, you know, people have jobs. I could be working on the weekend. I could be working anytime. They don't know that. Luckily, I don't. But after about three or four hours passed, I rebooked my ticket for Sunday night. That was the next available flight. Same flight, um, Georgetown, Guyana to JFK International, New York. And so let me step back a little bit. So remember, there's this whole COVID thing where international travel into the United States requires that you have a PCR or an antigen test 24 hours before you leave. So the Thursday I went, and, 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 and in Guyana, you don't get it for free. You have to pay for it. So I paid for this antigen test. I got it. Results were negative. Okay, ready to fly on Friday. Flight got canceled. As I said, after four or five hours, I decided to go to the app. Got one of two seats left because I was in business. It's a business class ticket. So I was in business class. Got one or two seats left. Booked it. Went back to the medical center there on Saturday got a second antigen test. Now, there's nothing painful about these tests, but they're, they're, they're very irritating to your nasal passages. Now, they push this swab pretty deep in your nasal passage. They tore it around quite a bit. They go into each nostril, and, and it leaves you with you know, your eyes tearing. And it's not a, you know, if somebody asks you, if, you know, what's your, you know, something fun to do is definitely not that. Anyway, so I got a second antigen test on, this would now be Saturday the 8th 
I my ticket is now my my flight is now booked again for Sunday the ninth. So I went during the day on Saturday the eighth. I got the test um, about six p.m. six or seven p.m. Saturday night. I get a text message from American Airlines. My flight for Sunday is now being canceled. Frustration sets in at this point now, right? So I start looking and right away I jumped on the app because I got the same message that they're trying to rebook me and blah, blah, blah. But no one from American Airlines ever called. So I go on the website. I go on the app. And the only thing that I can find now is a flight on Tuesday morning that goes through Miami to so so Georgetown, Miami, New York. I didn't want that flight. I wanted to do a four and a four hours and forty five minute flight from Georgetown to JFK. But at this point, I'm now past the days I'm supposed to return to work. I've got to use more vacation days than I plan to use, and time is money, right? And so. But what, what, what can I do? There was nothing else showing up on the website. So I book again for Tuesday now, the 11th. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm really not satisfied at this point now because we're talking, you know, here we go again. So at late at night, I call American Airlines from Guyana, and they tell me that, well, I could get a call back or I could go on hold. Obviously, I don't want a call back because I want to speak to someone. So they said the next available representative will be with me in 40 minutes. That's 4-0. At about 38 minutes into waiting, the phone cut off. More frustration. So then I find a local number in, in Guyana that is routed to the American Airlines here in, this, here in the United States. So I call that number. They asked me if I want a call back. I said, yes, yeah, sure. I did a call back. This is all automated system. It said that I would receive a call back um, sometime after four and a half hours later. I accepted the call back, but then I called back right away anyway. I waited about an hour and 15 minutes on hold, and then I got a representative. Wow, amazing, right? So I, I, I tell the representative about my plight, and she, she goes back and forth and she checks the system and she says, well, sir, I see that you booked for Tuesday, January 11th. I said, yes, but I needed to get back since the 7th. I want to see if you can book me on something earlier. I said, I, I also know that you have affiliate with Caribbean Airlines and you have affiliate with JetBlue. You know, treat my ticket as a priority. I'm a business flex customer and put me on another plane. Oh, we can't do that in this kind of scenario. We can only do it if it's voluntary. We can't do it when we cancel flights. Then what's the point? Anyway, so it got to this point, I'm really upset. She goes, she looks, she comes back. She says, listen, you need to keep your booking on Tuesday, June 11th, because the next available flight that we have is Thursday, the 13th. Same flight through Miami. I said, okay. I said, well, what about all these COVID tests I'm paying for? So she walked me through the website of when I get back here, how to file a claim and to see if American Airlines will honor it. Now, think about this. I now had to go back on Monday morning and have a third antigen test because remember, it's 24 hours. 
So I had three antigen tests in five years. I had cotton swabbed, shoved up my nose, east nostril, three times in five days. I haven't started, you know, I guess I just got back. Um, today's Wednesday. I just got back uh, yesterday evening. And it was a long day uh, because to be, to check in is three and a half hours to check in because of COVID. So basically I was up at midnight. I, I, I you know, finished off packing, whatever, Keep kept checking my phone to make sure I didn't cancel my flight. Got to the airport there at about 3 a.m. Plane left, the plane boarded at about 6.30, 6.30 a.m., Flew over to Miami, got to Miami a little after 11 a.m., went through craziness in Miami with long TSA lines. And it was just, you know, I barely made my flight because in my, if you ever go to that airport in Miami, the American Airlines terminal is huge. It's literally, if, you, if I added up all the time I spent walking through the terminals at a, at a good clip, is about 45 minutes worth of walking through these different stations. Anyway, I barely made my flight. And I got into New York finally about a little after 4 p.m. yesterday. By the time I got home and everything else, it had been an incredibly long day. So my next step now is to go to American Airlines claim and see, well, will you, you know, I mean, three COVID tests. The first COVID test is on me because that's the requirement. The second and third test is on them, to me, because they canceled. I paid for all these tests. And then what about my time? I had to use vacation days that I didn't plan to. Time is money. So it'll be interesting to see what my conversations will be with American Airlines or whether they'll actually be honorable enough to American citizens to do the right thing. And I, and I have my own theory about why this happened, too, because I know they're saying Omicron, they don't have crews and all that stuff, but it seemed to me like on, at this time of the year, first and second week in January, the ridership is a lot lower. I've spoken to people who traveled on other airlines and said the planes were like only one third filled. So while there's, I'm sure there's a lot of truth to, to, to crews and suffering with uh, crews being out sick because of Omicron, I also believe that it was advantageous to American Airlines to cancel the direct routes to JFK and have people use the, the, the trip via Miami because that almost guaranteed them full planes from Georgetown, Miami, New York, and they didn't have to waste gas and money flying the other you know, planes, having the other flights. So it's always for the bottom dollars, you know, and, and we're always the victims, and it doesn't really matter how much we suffer. It only matters that the rich get richer, huh? So my other debacle I have to tell you about this, and this is this is actually a good thing about I'm, I'm going to say. Close to when I was going to leave on January 31st, American Airlines sent me a text message and said that they switched the aircraft. I forgot what it was, but they switched it to the 737 MAX 8. Now, I went into a panic. I ran into a panic because... If you go online and you research the 737 MAX 8, we first of all know that this was the aircraft that Boeing made that right off the, the, the manufacturing block, I think it was Ethiopian Airlines and some other airlines, they both had massive crashes. They lost like 349 people died, you know. And the aircraft was grounded for over two years. 
Um, there was something with the, something called a Max M A C X something system or something like that that caused they say caused the crashes. And then when the aircraft came back into production or into use, I should say, because they had been bought by many aircraft um, airline companies, then there were some wiring problems that caused them to ground them again. Or something they claimed was not hazardous, but it it needed to be re- parts of the planes need to be rewired. So when I saw this, that they switched it days before my travel to seven three seven Max Eight, I immediately went online and said. You know, I've got a business flex ticket. That means it's 100% refundable, no questions asked. I'm going to find another um, JetBlue or something else to go with because I don't want any parts of the 737 MAX 8, especially because when you go do research online, and sometimes research online can be the worst thing because you look at reviews and you have people saying such horrible things like, I would not let my my worst enemy travel in the 737 MAX 8. Not my family, not me. They're they're unsafe. They should be grounded. And then you got another side of people with pilots and stuff saying, the aircraft's been under scrutiny for two years. It's the most scrutinized plane ever, and it's the safest uh, aircraft in the sky. Who's right? Who's wrong? I don't know. I will say this to everyone who's listening to this. I flew the 737. So I couldn't get another... It was too late. It was too close to my travel. This was December 31st. I simply could not get another um, flight out. I did find one or two empty tickets. I think one in Caribbean, one in Jebdu, but they were like in the like $3,200. A ticket that I paid $800-something for was now $3,200. Anyway, the 737 MAX 8, in my personal opinion, is arguably the best flight I've ever had. These newer aircraft, they're faster. So the normal uh, trip to Guyana from JFK it has, has always averaged between five and a half hours and six hours. This plane did it in four hours and 40 minutes. This plane, this, all you got a few times was the slight shakes. When I say slight shakes, slight, slight turbulence. Nothing seemed to affect this thing. The engines are quieter than any other aircraft I've ever been in. I've been in quite a few. I've been in the Airbus. I've been in the MD-80. I've been in a lot of different quietest engines I've ever heard. You can actually have a conversation with the person next to you without yelling, without raising your voice or anything. The Even the effect of descending and, 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 and ascending where you get the air popping seemed to be either less or non-existence on most of my takeoffs and landings. So I have to tell you, I don't know, I'm not a pilot and I don't know the technical issues with this and I can't predict what the aircraft's future would be, but I really had, so I went from JFK, uh, 3,000, 600 miles to Guyana on the 737 MAX 8 and coming back, I went from Georgetown, Guyana to Miami, Miami, New York, all 737 MAX 8. And I would jump on that plane again tomorrow. So this is an endorsement. I don't know. I mean, Boeing screwed up and messed up in the beginning. I get it. And they deserve whatever they get. But the fixed aircraft is is probably one of the best. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I've, I've never flown that. What's that? There's that aircraft that... 
um, I forgot the name of it now, the huge aircraft that can hold 800 people if it's all passengers or 500 people, plus it has a casino and all that crap. You know, the big, huge aircraft. I've heard that thing is like a dream to fly on because it's so big that turbulence doesn't affect it at all. But anyway, this is not a huge aircraft, and yet it was a beautiful flight. They've got some interesting features in it. The, uh, I was told that the aircraft can be ordered in different different features. American Airlines chose to not have screens on the back of each chair, but rather there's Wi-Fi in the plane and you can use your phone or your device. You connect to the Wi-Fi automatically, you open up your browser and there's there's tons. When I say tons, there are tons of movies. There are tons of TV shows. I mean, not a little selection, a quite large selection that you're sitting there for the first you know, 10 minutes or more just flipping through movies to decide what to watch. And it was great. You know, nothing buffered or anything. It was a great connection. And what was crazy was on my way back, I had to be somewhere between Georgetown, like in the middle point between Georgetown and and Miami. And apparently my father saw a missed call on his phone. He thought it was me. He decided to call me for some reason, even though he knew I was in the ear. And the call actually came through. Um, I told him, I said, look, I'm flying in the middle of the air right now. I got to call you back. I can, you know, I'm somewhere between Georgetown and Miami, probably closer to Miami, but I'll call you back. I'm 38,000 feet in the air, and the call came through. That, that was kind of crazy. So anyway, um, that was my experience at the beginning of the year. Um, I don't know if I started this episode by saying Happy New Year to everyone, but I'm, you know, I'm doing things a bit re- reversed on this episode. So now that I've given you how my year started. It was a great, um, it was a great trip. I can tell you that their medical systems are nothing like United States. There are a lot of people down there in Guyana who are not obeying the rules. Um, when I left, they were getting about a thousand new cases a day of Omicron. Considering that's a large number, considering their entire population is probably just slightly short of eight hundred thousand people. So the amount of people who, that have died from COVID in the United States, is, which is 800 and something thousand, is more than the entire population of Guyana. So a thousand new cases a day of Omicron is quite alarming. Um, people have parties at night. They, you know, they, they, they go out and they do karaoke parties. They don't wear masks. There is a curfew on businesses and nightclubs, but some people disobey it and depending on you know whether you're affiliated with the government or not you're, you're you know somebody turns their head and you get to run your nightclub it's a lot different than where we are it's third world huh um but it was with other than a few spots of rain here and there the average temperature was probably around 87 degrees um it was warm there was a breeze it's a beautiful climb climate um, unfortunately, I didn't go anywhere um, because, you know, it's a strange to be on vacation and try to do vacation in these times because I had a few friends. I had a friend of mine who was in Trinidad and he and I planned. We haven't seen each other in years. We're, we're, we're school schoolmates. And so from the, from the middle of um, 2021, we planned that since he was going down to Guyana and I was going we tried to work the dates out so that we, they would cross with enough days so we would get to see each other. 
We both went down there. We were there. We had at least a week that overlapped and we did not get to see each other. Why? Let me tell you why. Everybody is scared. And what was our fear? Our fear was that we, we would go down there, mingle around, get Omicron, and then when, when we test, we test positive, and we can't get back home. And these, especially a place like Guyana, they have a mandatory isolation place to go for people who have COVID, and the conditions are horrible, I've heard. So I didn't go anywhere. I, 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 I basically did, went and did some banking for my father and went uh, and bought some pastries somewhere and went to a couple of stores with my mask on, of course, and then I stayed in the house the entire time. The benefit was I spent great time and a lot of time with my dad. But, you know, for people who go on a vacation to have a vacation, there are a lot of beautiful places you can go down there, but nobody wanted to go that's from this part of the world because, again, the issue was you wanted to stay around your immediate family that you know, that you know have been practicing your know, safety because you're so scared that you, you test positive and you can't come back into the United States, and then that, that messes everything up for you, right? So having all this, this awareness and these needs to stay safe meant that I spoke to all my friends on the phone but never saw anyone. People who I promised to, to speak to and to see, people who I knew uh, maybe had some medical challenges and are going through medical challenges, and I wanted to see them you know, for many reasons, and I couldn't. So the world has changed, and the world has changed in, in ways that I didn't even contemplate. I would never have thought I would have gone down, you know, bought a ticket, gone 3,500, 3,600 miles away to a place that I've gone to years before and gone out and had some nightlife and some, you know, maybe have a, you know, meet with a friend, have a few drinks, sit and chat and catch up over the old days. All was done on the phone like if I was sitting here in, in the United States because none of it happened. And and that was the most unusual part of it. Like I said, you know, because of my father and his birthday and my my desire to spend time with him, I had a wonderful time just being in the house. But for anyone who went on vacation to enjoy themselves, that had to pretty much suck. And so that that sort of comes back to Happy New Year, welcome to 2022. But, you know, other than the numbers changing, we seem to be going in the same direction, and some may argue it's getting worse. We're, we're you know, I want to, and, and let me put that into context. So the Omicron variant apparently resides when it attaches itself to you to an upper part of the respiratory system. So it doesn't go as deep down in the lungs like the original COVID, so it's less damaging, it's less critical. Uh, even the symptoms apparently feel less on the sickness, but because it resides in the upper part of your respiratory system, it's easier to transmit because a cough, a sneeze, saliva, whatever, can you know can can send it out there in the air to be transmitted. But my wife works at the hospital, and I just asked her before I started to record this episode. I said, "How is the hospital doing?" She says, "Our numbers are still going up." And I think she said today they had like five deaths. Now, the problem here is the same problem we have with the original COVID. 
for nurses and doctors, all the first responders who work in inner cities, who work in in in, in areas of 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 uh, middle to lower income, in, in areas that are predominantly colored, the story is quite different than the, than than the numbers that and the things that you hear in the news every day. And they, you know, I, I listened tonight, and they said, "Oh, we think we've we've we've, we've turned the corner on Omicron, and the numbers are going down." And then they say something like. Hospitalizations are going down in the city, but they're still going up in the state. You know, this whole play on numbers, this whole mind game, this whole thing about not telling everyone the truth and not not being bold enough to go to the, the you know, I'm sure even in New York City, the Bronx and to you know parts of the Bronx and parts of Queens and part you know part like Far Rockaway and these areas where that were devastated during the first and everybody ignored them until reporters said, Hey, what about Far Rockaway? The numbers are crazy out there. And all of a sudden everybody jumped and went to Far Rockaway. Same thing's happening. And, 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 and I'm sorry, but to start off 2022, that's kind of like the best news I have for you. Here's why. Two things I heard. One, there is a, I don't know the word to you, but there's a marriage of such between the Delta variant and the Omicron variant. They have a new name for it, and I don't want to um, mispronounce it, so I just won't say it. But there's a merged variant between Delta and Omicron that's presenting its own challenge that has been found in people. But even that is distracting from the bigger issue, and that is, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, there's a new variant called the ICH. At least that was the name it was given at the time. It was very early when I read this about two weeks ago, they had about 12 people in France um, infected by it. The issue with that variant is that no vaccine works against it. Nothing that works for Delta or Omicron since you're working against it. And I hate to tell everyone this, but if, if you have a variant that's in France, it's already here. Make no mistake about it. It is already here. So what do you do? What what, what are we doing exactly? We we want to claim this victory that we went through Omicron and we went through um, uh, Delta and we we haven't we, we didn't go back to closing schools and we didn't close businesses and hoorah! If any of us really wants to believe that this is the end of the pandemic. I, I, I would love to join you in that celebration, except I don't believe it. I believe that, unfortunately, that we've got a lot more challenges and, and possibly bigger challenges closer to the original COVID before we can get someplace where we are truly managing this. And my concern is that this is going to continue because, you know, I don't remember how, uh, how many years it was, but I'm sure some of you heard about things like the superbug. They talked about one day in the future, we would have superbugs. The superbug is a bug that adapts itself to the human body and, and our medications don't work against it. And you know, COVID might not be a super bug, but it's super enough because it's exactly what it seems to be doing. When you have these, these mutations, they seem to be learning our human body, even learning our vaccinated human body 
and then coming as hard as it did before. In here in New York, for instance, um, I'm getting some feedback at this mic, so forgive me, I'm not sure why. I've been gone for a while and the, the equipment might be a little bit out of whack. Anyway, um, we, we, I, I remember reading when I was away that Hoda Kopp, the uh, news anchor on NBC News, she's fully vaccinated with booster and she got COVID. She went home and isolated and her co-anchor, Savannah Guntry, got it after her. So then Hoda came back and Savannah had to go on an isolation. These are fully vaccinated people with boosters. Are we not getting this? I know that we don't want to close down this, that, the other, but the fact is that I think the only way that we stop this thing is we going to have to eventually close, we're going to have to go back to the original COVID isolation where we beat the the monster of it all, the one that was killing, the one that killed 800 some thousand people or at least 700,000 out of the 800 something died from, I think, the original strain. And we need, to, we need to isolate. We see it works because as people get better and they don't infect others, when you have less and less people in society who have the virus and you can identify those who do, then maybe we have a chance of beating this thing. It has to be a decision about saving human lives. It cannot be a political decision. It cannot be a monetary decision. Now, I understand that. I don't know how many times to say this. I understand that businesses and people are hurting in the cities, and, and you know. But the fact of the matter is, let me let me let me lay some reminders out to you. One, people. A lot of, there's a brain drain. A lot of people who reached close to their retirement have retired because they, they're not willing to put their lives in the line for any anymore. Two, people have lost breadwinners. People have lost both mother and father and family. People are struggling. I see that New York City has started back its rent assistance program. But I'm not sure how much... Um, that is working is it little, too little too late but they're trying because they're saying the, but they're saying the program itself doesn't have enough money in it so I don't know what happens there I see that our president after all his nonsensical talk that I talked about where he said you know January 31st was the last time he's going to defer student loans uh, the moratorium he's going to have the moratorium on student loans he had to do it again And you have to do it again because that's reality of life. The fact is people cannot pay these loans. He needs to stick to his original promise. He needs to go beyond that. He needs to have the, 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 the intestinal fortitude to, to find a way to get rid of student loans. I'm not going to go over all the options he has already, but if I can come up with a few options, certainly these brilliant people who are supposed to be way smarter than I am in their jobs, who are who are political pundits and know this to the back of the hand, you know, they should be able to. So I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why they won't do what they need to do to save our lives. They just keep on. you know, going down the same path and expecting a different result. 
And the and a lot of the promises they made to isolate and to do things to help people in the workplace are not being done. A lot of workplaces are not safe. They don't have the isolation. You're just sitting there waiting for something to happen. I personally am tired of doing that. I'm tired of hearing it. I'm tired of seeing it. And I and I still see a lot of companies are going remote and are offering permanent remote jobs because that is the way of the future. It doesn't matter. You you should you 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 will have a contingent of people who need to go into buildings and go into work because there are things that people need to touch and do. Those people should be given salary differentials and incentives. But the fact of the matter is the world is changing. All these politicians and all these rich people who are fighting to keep things the way they are. I don't understand it because we are creatures of evolution. It is a new time in our lives, and the pandemic has forced us to become brilliant, the brilliant people that we are, and and take our lives and our living and the way we live to the next level. And that next level should include a better quality of life for everyone. Working remotely has shown in most cases, I can't say all, but show in most cases, workers produce more because of the amount of time they can actually spend working instead of traveling. And because they are happier, because when they get off at five o'clock, they're not getting on a subway, they're not risking getting mugged, they're not walking on a dark street in a bad neighborhood. They're walking from their home office to their bedroom or their kitchen or their backyard. This is giving us a sense of relaxation. It is giving me, it's empowering us to be better people, better employees, better parents, better siblings, better sons and daughters, better grandparents. There is a value. And as life goes on, as time goes on, it is not about the erosion of the quality of life. It's about building it. We have to be better than those who came before us. And we have to leave something better for those who come after us. I don't care who you are. I don't care what politics you believe in. I don't care about rich billionaires who can't make another billion this year because all their billions are not filled. Come on. I can't be the only one who's seen the benefit that has come out of the darkness of COVID and an opportunity here. We need to take that opportunity and run with it. So here we are in 2022. What are we going to do? In 2022, what are we going to do? Are we going to continue to try to return to the past and call it the normal? Are we going to make 2022 a breakthrough year where those who come after us will see a a, a significant and, 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 and noticeable change in life where they understood that humankind came together understanding the challenge of this pandemic in the world and did something positive for the next generation those of you who can go out and start businesses of your own and you can create environments that are safe and make lives better for each other I encourage you to do it when I retire I want to continue to do Many things to help others. 2022 is a year of empowerment. It's a year when I'm going to take 247 Real Talk podcast and I'm going to try to bring you more real life stories, more information that will help you make your lives better and change your lives, more opportunities to give and to share and to help. The only thing I'm asking of you, my audience, is what I've asked for the last three or four episodes. Please 
when you listen to my episode, don't keep it to yourself. Put it on your Facebook, put it on your Instagram, put it on your TikTok, whatever. Share it, share parts of it. Do whatever you need to do to be a part of this community that we've created of sharing information, empowering people and lifting people and getting people motivated to change. Because when when people at the bottom, when the population decides that it's going to unite because they want change, that's when change happens at the top. I'm looking forward to the guests that will, that will come on this show this year. I'm looking forward to sharing my own perspective with you each and every week. I'm going to try to do a balance. So maybe this year you'll get more Last year, you got more guests, and, 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 and in the end, you got a little bit of me. You know, this year, I'm probably going to try to make it 50-50. Because while having guests is great and speaking about certain topics that can help you all is great, we also need to do, go to the grassroots, the, the places that, that, that we deal with every single day in our lives. I encourage you to send me emails. I encourage you, those of you who know how to contact me, otherwise to do so. I encourage you to share this podcast with your job, share it with your, with your supervisor if they're willing to listen. You know, those who know people in government to share it with them. I'm not attacking anyone. I'm saying let's work together to change. Look, I understand the monetary challenges, especially of a place like New York City. And people are hurting and it's kind of hard to figure out how do we help them? You know, how do we help the restaurant that's in the heart of Brooklyn or Manhattan now that's hardly getting any customers and competing with 10 other restaurants? We need to take these people, sit with them, create with them, help them to open their minds, you know, do things that will stimulate imagination. You cannot tell me that the way we do things right now in the restaurant business and in the tailoring business and the dry cleaning business or whatever is the only way it could ever be done till the end of time. Because before we were doing this, there were generations before us that were doing something else that was not as advanced as, advanced as we are today, but for their time, it was advanced. For their time... It was, it was a evolutionary. For their time, it was their brilliance. And because they did it, they changed the lives of people for the better. Now it is our turn. Things cannot just continue on that they are 100 years from now. This cannot look the way it is now. Matter of fact, 10 years from now, it shouldn't. We're changing. We're going from gasoline cars to electric cars. We, I've seen some cars online, some concept cars that are doing amazing things to change the way we drive, to, to, to even in, increase the, the, the likelihood that we'll make it through a journey because of the safety. You know, next thing is going to happen is uh, I'm pretty sure cars are going to start. They're going to set up computers where cars talk to each other so they actually could never collide. I'm sure I'm not, when I'm telling you this, I'm not the only person with this idea. I'm sure there are people who are dreaming up these concepts already. Think about it. Think about just how, think about how data goes down the information superhighway. How everything we do on the internet reaches its destination. Every time you go to a website, you can pull up the web page or something. Yeah, you, you have hiccups, but most of the time it works. And all that data gets where it's going without colliding, so to speak. Imagine if there's, imagine a world 30 years from now or 40 years from now where all the cars have computers in them that actually know where the next car is. So no matter what you do, as long as the computer's controlling the car, the two can never collide. Think about the lives saved. Don't think it's impossible because it is possible. 
I see some of these concept cars where you can actually go in the car and you got a big screen in front of you. You can plug in your destination and the car will drive. Well, the reason some of those cars get in accidents now is because they're not on the roads by themselves. They're on the roads with other cars that are not controlled that way. Or that at least that's one of the reasons. But think about what we could do. We could actually change that. We could actually create an environment where all of that goes away. So... It, it is an opportunity. It is an opportunity to look at some of the high-rise buildings that are empty because companies went remote and they, they vacated the space and they didn't renew the lease and say, what can I do with this space? There are a few options I can think of off the top of my head. Because in New York City, we are still fighting for housing. And maybe if there were more beautiful apartments created in Manhattan, for instance, and there was enough inventory that caused the prices to go down a bit, that maybe more people could afford to live there who wanted to live there, and you've created something else. You've brought people back into the neighborhood, but under a different reason. Maybe some of those empty buildings can be converted to spaces that promote future, promote a way for people to collaborate while being safe. I mean, I I have some concepts in my head about how you can have a bunch of people in a space, but yet they're isolated, but yet they're together. Think outside the box. If you build it and you build it well, they will come. 2022 needs to be a breakthrough year, not just for me, Julian Perry, not just for the 247 Real Talk podcast, not just for my listeners but for the world. It should, COVID should be a wake-up call that if we want to survive, we have to do better. We have to use the lessons from COVID and, the, and all those 800-some thousand people in the United States alone and how many million across the world that we've put in graves in the ground and say your lies did not get snuffed out in vain because for the life that was lost, we learned a new way and we implemented a new way to preserve the next life. Anyone out there who believes that COVID is the worst pandemic that will ever happen is sadly mistaken. If COVID and its mutations are already learning the human body and the whole world is advancing, if we don't advance with the rest of the world, when I say the rest of the world, I'm talking about the things in the world, all the, the entities, the, 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 the atmospheric thing, everything that exists around us seems to be getting smarter. If we don't evolve, then we will be in trouble. We are the superior life form. We need to make sure that we can preserve it. As, my, as, as, as I'm a spiritual man, and whether you agree with me or not, that should not cause you, you know, to, to, to be a deterrent to listen to what I'm saying. But for me personally, until the day Christ comes again, we need to honor this planet, to honor him, to honor life by making our primary function, our focus to preserve life. Not to make money so we can separate the riches from the poor and, and extend that gap. Not to make money so the foolish amounts can turn our noses up and look down at others. 
not to make money so that when we get in a powerful position, you want to make sure that we have a bunch of staff who work for us and we're not going to raise any of them for any reason. We're going to find fault with everything they do. We're not going to reward them for even, the, even if they're not perfect for the best that they're doing because we, we need to create that sense of superiority. There's only one superior being I know, and that's God Almighty. All of us have a, who think that we're better than others have a false sense, a false sense of superiority. Every day when I, I get this uh, email from Extra TV, and Extra TV kind of is all about the celebrities and stuff like that, but even in that smaller world of celebrities, every other day you're seeing someone who died. All different ages. We just uh, learned about the death of Bob Saget. 65 years old. Finished the show, went to his hotel room, sent out a tweet of how wonderful the show was, went to bed and never woke up. Do we think any amount of money would have made a difference? When God calls you home, he calls you home. The most we can do is pray to God and ask him for more time. And when he gives us more time, for those of you who agree or disagree, don't, whatever, I'm going to tell you, when he gives you more time, you better be very sure that you take that extra time to make the world a better place, to show love and more love to other people, to love your family more, to spend time with them, to appreciate them, to bring the things that truly have value on this earth, and that's not money. Don't get me wrong. Money is the way we survive. That's how the world, you know, the man created the world. And it's necessary to have money. At whatever level, you can't buy food, you can't buy, it's necessary to have money. But money doesn't keep you alive. Not internally, not externally. Money does not bring you the kind of happiness that the Bible refers to, the joy, that inner joy. There are a bunch of very filthy rich people who are unhappy, who are committing suicide, who are doing all sorts of things as a cry for help, even though you look at them and say, what's wrong with them? They have everything, millions of dollars, this, that, the other, yet they're unhappy. That's a lesson to all mankind. Let's unite. Let's make 2022 the start of a different way we live our lives. For all those who hear this podcast, my listeners and any new listeners, and, 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 and I'm hoping people who are in political power, or power uh, uh, positions of power, use your position to not only carry out your duties, but to change the lives positively of as many people as you can. When people try to reach out to you, no matter where they are on, on, the, on the employment scale, from, the, from the, the lowest employee, when I say lowest, the most junior or the, or the most, the employee on the lowest end of the pay raise, the pay scale, who might seem to approach the person at the top of the game and, and you know, ex, express themselves and that person may say, oh, they, they're, they're, that's a bunch of garbage. Even in the midst of things they might be saying that might not make sense because they don't understand the inner workings of everything, something in there is going to have value. We need to listen. We need to help. 
For someone who lacks education, we need to help them to become educated. For someone who's been struggling in a job and doing everything they can and not getting promoted, we need to recognize their, their ethic, their loyalty, their willingness, and lift them. We need to have a chain across this world that looks like one man at the top or how many people at the top with their arms outstretched, outstretched, pulling the next person up and that person in turn pulling the next. What I'm talking about here is not about riches. It's not about where we are today. It's about where we need to be and can be tomorrow. It's about the commitment of me, the host, and this podcast, 247 Real Talk Podcast, to use every ounce of time that I'm blessed with on this earth to empower you, to lift you, to share with you, to reach out to you, to help you when you're feeling down in whatever way I can, with whatever little I have. But it's a commitment as we start 2022, for the messages I send to you and for what I share with you to be the best, the very best of me. I want to thank you so much for your support for the past year, 2021. I thank you so much for the opportunity to come to you each and every week and to share, to bring you something of value that, that in turn gives me a reason and, and brings value to my life and to this podcast. I thank you so much for your, your support in 2021. I look forward to even more in 2022. I look forward to what we can do and will do together. Reminding you that you can listen to this episode and every episode of the 247 Real Talk podcast on your favorite podcast app. Please, let's make this year a year of communication. Send me emails, your thoughts, your ideas for shows, your opinions, your messages for guests, your willingness to be a guest, to share something, to help others, to lift others. Email me at podcast at 247realtalk.net. That's podcast at 247realtalk.net. As I say at the end of each show, until we meet again, take care of yourselves and each other.